Welcome back to Worship with All Saints, a broadcast ministry dedicated to personal growth in God's Word. Please visit our website, aschurch.net, for more information, including our service schedule. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke, chapter 10. After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it and if not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein, and say to them, The kingdom of God is come nigh to you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh to you. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. He that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth me, and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. It is as true a statement today as it was when Jesus proclaimed that the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. The compassion of Jesus for the lost souls of mankind was always evident, and his desire that all would come to the knowledge of the one true God, of his Father, permeated all he said and did. Truly the harvest is just as great as ever, but so many of the laborers in that harvest have lost the fundamental purpose for sowing the seed of God's word. And that is for the glory and majesty of God and the recognition of what he has accomplished 
through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. The 70 who were sent out by Jesus were specifically instructed, If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that city. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. This passage presents to us a startling, but nonetheless true admission, one that is not often spoken aloud in Christian circles. And it is this, not everyone that we share with shall be saved, nor accept our message. And though we would wish otherwise, this should not disturb us, should not be of any concern to us. Too often we worry about the consequences, the effect of our proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, and therefore we don't say anything at all. Too often we worry that we're not up to the task and that negative results will be the outcome. But it is not our responsibility to produce the results, only to share the good news. Whether our message is received or rejected is not a message of the success of our efforts. Our efforts are not measured by results, but by how faithful we are in presenting the message. Our only concern, desire, and yearning should be that we are faithful in presenting to others the pure, absolute, undiluted, complete truth of God's grace through Jesus Christ. Whether those who hear the word believe or not, God will be glorified and justified in our having done so. If they hear and believe, God is glorified in his grace towards them. And if the message is rejected, his grace refused and cast aside, their rejection is added to their future condemnation, and thus God is justified in his final judgment. Either way, God is glorified and justified. This may sound somewhat harsh, even callous, but we all, you and I as ministers of the word, are not responsible for our success. We are responsible for what we speak. We are accountable for our life and actions, but we are not responsible for the response of other people. As it was with Noah and so many other prophets, if you do but preach God's word, if there never were a soul saved, when you cast your last breath and face your Lord, he would say, Well done, good and faithful servant. If you do but tell his message truthfully, without reservation, even if none should listen to it, he will say, Thou hast fought the good fight. Receive thy crown. We have been commissioned to be simply sowers of the word, and having freely received, we freely give. No farmer expects he who sows to be responsible for the harvest. All he is responsible for is, does he sow the seed, and does he sow the right seed? Jesus reminded the seventy and us not to take it personally. For he who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. We sow and we water, but God gives the increase. Our only responsibility is to sow his seed and then leave its coming to fruition 
totally in God's hands. Jesus said that if God had prepared ahead of time the hearts of those that the 70 were sent to speak to, they would be received, as well as their message. But if not, their message would be turned back to them. This is of vital importance, and we should take heed to learn from it a fundamental spiritual truth, one that we need to always remember. God knows the hearts and thoughts of men. We don't. We're always judging by the outward appearance, by that which we perceive through our senses, what we observe, what we hear them say, what we interpret based on their outward actions, what we filter through our own limited frame of reference. But we don't truly know the inward activities, the deepest thoughts and intents of others, regardless of what we may witness. We can only speculate basing our opinions on the fragmentary bits of information we gather while interacting with others. This is why we so often hear people say during the evening newscast that they just can't believe that so-and-so did such-and-such a thing. They seem like such nice people that it just didn't seem to be in character. We must always be wary and cautious when making judgments of others, be they negative or positive evaluations. We can judge our own hearts, and we are instructed so to do, but not those of others. We don't know whom God has prepared, whom he has been dealing with, and we have no way of knowing. And truthfully, it is best that we don't, for if we did, we would be selective in sowing our seed. We don't know the fertile ground from the rocky, the good soil from the bad. We don't know the innermost thoughts of others. We don't know whose heart has previously been made tender and receptive by God, just waiting for the very word he desires us to speak to them. No, we don't know. And therefore, our task is to sow the seed to everyone. Our responsibility is not to calculate and keep score, to look back and judge our success, to tally our attendance numbers, but simply to sow the word of God. We should not think of ourselves as accountants, but rather as farmers, sowing the seed of the good news at every opportunity. And when we faithfully sow the good news, the gospel, there will always be one of two consequences. For we are unto God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death, leading to death. And to the other the aroma of life, leading to life. Hence, our words and actions, and even our very presence, will result in either a ministration of life to those we are with, whose path we cross, bringing forth repentance and growth, or we will be a distribution of death unto death. To some the gospel sets the captives free, but to others... The gospel makes them even more miserable than they would otherwise be. True, they continue in their iniquitous ways, but the tinge of conscience continually wears upon them like water constantly dripping on a rock. Christ told the seventy to claim that the kingdom of God had come nigh to both those who accepted and those who rejected their message. Our country has been blessed way beyond so many other countries, 
because of our abundance of gospel preachers both here and those we have sent abroad. Our country is blessed, tracing its foundation upon godly principles. Much of the darkness that prevails in other parts of the world has been spared us here in America. However, realize that the wickedness that does take place here will be judged more harshly than the wickedness that takes place on the other side of the world where there is no proliferation of the gospel witness. The gospel is proclaimed here on television, on radio, on the internet, and on a great many street corners within our churches. But those that hear it, and hear it, and hear it, and still go on with their ungodly ways are heaping upon themselves the greater condemnation. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. I entreat, therefore, all who spiritually see the multitudes of lost souls, and as Jesus are moved with compassion for them, in all earnestness pray the Lord of the harvest, for he has been busily at work, behind the scenes, as it were, furrowing the ground, plowing and working upon the hardened hearts of the sinful, convicting by his Holy Spirit, drawing by his everlasting love. It is his harvest, because he went to the cross for mankind. He suffered the penalty for our sins in order that there would even be a harvest. It is his harvest, for he has paid the price for it. He owns it, for it is the great harvest, the plenteous crop, the field of human souls awaiting deliverance. And it has been created not by eloquent words or man-made agendas and rallies and human efforts, but as a result of grief and agony and the conviction of sin. Yes, this is the harvest we must pray for, in which we must sow the seed of the word of God, in which we should count ourselves privileged beyond measure to be included amongst his laborers. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Blessed Holy Spirit. All Saints Church is a small, unique community, serious about discipleship, prayer, and worship. Once again, more information can be found at aschurch.net. We hope you will continue to be a part of our listening family as we all pursue growing in Christ. May the Lord bless you this day.